Hello, my name is Samuel George London, and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book writer and marvellous man, Matt McGrath, about what comics he would take into a super-intelligent ape uprising apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, Comic Scene. To support their work, you can become a friend of Comic Scene for just £20 a year. When you become a friend, you get access to premium content on the website, including Comic Scene Weekly, Newsstand Comics, Retro Comics, Comic Shop of the Week, and free comic downloads as well. To find out more, visit their website, comicscene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Matt McGrath. How's it going? Good, good, good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. It has been a super busy day for me at the day job, um, but um, I'm all the better for chilling out in the evening and talking about comics with you. Oh, um, yeah. And uh, yeah, how, how's your day been? Uh, yeah, you know, uh, pretty much the same. Pretty super busy during the day job. Plus, I'm trying to in between you know my lunches and whatnot. And before work, work on this Kickstarter that I'm I'm prepping for, which I guess we'll talk about a little bit later. But um, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a I don't know. Do you guys have uh, the Friday off? Um, it's, right now it's a long yeah, weekend. Us, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the super long weekend. Yeah. yeah, you know, so that's just the way it goes. When before you go into a long weekend, there's all these things that you gotta get done before before because exactly. you got the shorter week. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You managed to fit it in, though. Um, although, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. fancy it every week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe I might have to, you know, stay a little bit late today, but get it all done. It's all good. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, well, no, it's a real pleasure to have you on the show, Matt. And um, for anybody that hasn't come across you just yet, uh, what do you do in the world of comics? Well, um, I guess I'm still relatively new to the world of comics, so I. I fancy myself a writer. Um, yeah, a comic book writer. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, that, that's pretty much it. Um, I've I've been featured in a couple of anthologies over the years. And just uh, about two years ago, I put out my first self-published comic. And uh, the Kickstarter that I'm prepping for right now, which I mentioned, is the sequel to that comic. So, um, yeah, that's that's... That's my comic experience in a nutshell. Excellent. Um, and uh, what what is that Kickstarter? It's it's ID ten T error. Yeah, right? yeah, rolls off the tongue, right? Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> but I can see why you chose the title. Absolutely, having yeah. read it, mm-hmm. um, it's uh, it's it, it, it's a, it's a good comic that you've put together there for sure. Um, but uh, without giving any spoilers away, uh, do you want to give our listeners a flavour? Sure. So uh, the kind of pitch that I give everybody is it is a weird kind of Frankenstein story about this guy named Bradley who devotes years of his life working in his basement trying to create this this sentient AI robot. Um, Not because he has any idea of bettering mankind or, you know, taking this thing and making millions of dollars or anything like that. The only thing that he wants to do with it is immediately torture and kill it. So 
yeah, the, the, the story from there is, of course, uh, with the robot gaining sentience and awareness, it's not really a fan of this idea, so it spends the rest of the, the book trying to escape and getting away from this crazy person. And and yeah, and, and, and later on in the book, we kind of explore like what Bradley's motivations is, like why is he going to all this trouble just to create this thing just to kill it? So um, yeah, we kind of explore like what what's his deal? What's his vendetta against this thing that he created? And uh, yeah, it's just kind of a very weird, funny-ish horror horror sci-fi thing yeah it's it's a mishmash absolutely funny and absolutely uh, horrifying in parts as well um but where did where did the inspiration for that come from uh yeah i always get asked this question it's it's kind of a spoiler so i have to be a little bit obscure when i answer ah. it yeah but um i guess it's it's an idea that i've had for a long time since college so about 12 years or so um and it all just stems to wards my feelings of my frustrations with technology, how I'm not sure like everybody relates. We are so, so reliant upon it and it can be so mm. fragile and finicky. And when it fails us, it, it can often fail in big horrendous ways. And yeah, there's, mm. there's no way we can vent our frustrations whatsoever because it, and sometimes it, you just want to smash it up. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is uh you know where bradley's uh journey begins i guess exactly no very good very good um and of course you got the second kickstarter well the second issue kickstarter um starting on april the 19th indeed yes um, so uh yeah um how, how long is that going to be running for uh should be a month so i don't know the exact end date but it starts april 19th yeah. it'll probably end around may 20th around there Mm-hmm. And people can sign up to the uh, to the pre-launch page right now. I think you got about like forty followers, which is good. Yeah, yeah, it's a good number, it's a good base mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, and uh, yeah, depending no. when this goes live, I, I guess it goes live Monday, so it might. Yes, correct. So, yeah. so when you're hearing this, I guess it'll go live tomorrow on a Tuesday. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. No. So everybody, go check. Go check it out. Check out the pre-launch page. And everything the the link is of course in the show notes so go click through get notification of launch um but apart from kickstarter where else can people find you online uh you can find me on twitter mostly that's that's my home base so you can find me at stupid matt uh that's stupid with two o's so s-t-o-o-p-i-d <laughs> underscore m-a-t-t stupid matt <laughs> so proper stupid yeah <laughs> yeah you know Sorry, i really wanted stupid matt with just the you but it was taken somebody had it so i was like oh, drop. oh somebody had done somebody it already had I, th- I think i think that's even better though the double o <laughs> yeah i think that's yeah. good very that's fun yeah excellent excellent um cool um and of course that links in the show notes as well so feel free to go follow matt um and then uh, apart from that unfortunately i do have some bad news for you um and that is whilst you've been busy in your um your pre-launch preparations uh-huh. unfortunately um there's been a super intelligent ape uprising um, and so my oh. first question for you is what is your action plan for survival? Right. Um, <clears throat> you know, uh, I, th- I thought long and hard about this, about what I was going to do. And I think the best way for me to survive is just to submit. I'm not putting up a fight. I will, 
I will gladly do whatever the apes tell me to do. Yeah. And this is the case for any, any doomsday scenario. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not a fighter. I can't survive in these situations. So yeah, I'll be, I'll be, you know, the monkey's human butler or whatever I got to do to make it through. (laughs) love it so you end up in this uh this butler outfit um <laughs> in one of the grand halls of the uh new ape society that's been created mm-hmm. and uh yeah your master um is is intrigued about what you did before they were in charge mm-hmm. and you started you start talking about comics and things like that and uh he's he's intrigued and he asks what's the first comic you remember enjoying okay um so yeah, I'll tell my master uh, that first <laughs> comic that I really remember enjoying, like actually sitting down and reading from cover to cover, uh, was Peter Parker, Spider-Man 45. And so, yeah, I before before I picked this one up, I as a kid, I guess my first entry into superheroes, which is like kind of my main, you know, bread and butter in terms of comics, my first entry was... But I think a lot of people was, you know, the 90s Spider-Man cartoon or the Batman, the animated series, X-Men cartoon. So that's really where I got into it. Also, the the Tim Burton Batman movie is probably the movie that I've seen more than any other movie because I've watched it just over and over when I was a kid. So, so yeah, I got into comics through that. But, you know, when I was younger from like whatever, five to 10 or something, I'd never read them. I just had them. I looked through them and just kind of tossed them aside. So yeah, Peter Parker, Spider-Man was the first one that I actually sat down and read. And and I picked it up after I saw the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, like immediately after my uncle took me uh, to the comic shop, to the Silver Snail. So people from Toronto know the Silver Snail. It's kind of our, Mm. yeah, it's a, I don't know. It's, it's been around for 40 years and it's our, one of the biggest, Big names in the Toronto comic scene. Uh, yeah, so I picked oh, it up. And, that's a uh, funny name for a for a comic book store. Yeah. Why, why, why is it Silver Snail? Just sorry to interrupt. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't really know what where the origin of Silver Snail comes from. But it's like they, yeah. they have like their own little mascot, which is like... Silver Snail. Yeah, sil- actually like a, <laughs> like a superhero that's called the Silver Snail. So... It's like um, it looked, if you if you type it in, it looks pretty cool. Like it's kind of like this robot totally. thing with like one eye, and I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty rad. And uh, they've actually gotten like they've had like for anniversaries, like big anniversaries, they get pretty big name artists to like do a poster for them. So I think I'm pretty sure there's a Mike Mignola Silver Snail poster out there where he like did a oh, creation really? of the yeah. I'm gonna I might just look that up. Cool. Yeah, sorry. No, it's all good, man. It's interesting to find out about all of these little things that happen around uh, the world. Is there? Uh, yeah. It, oh, yeah, it looks so cool. I'm, you know, I'm going to sh- share this in the chat. Maybe we'll do it after, but look up Mike Mignola, Silver Snail, and you'll see some really cool art for this comic book shop. Um, anyways, back to Spider-Man. Um why is it the first one I enjoyed? Uh, like I said, first that I read, it was kind of blew my mind because it was, you know, in the mid 2000s, early mid 2000s, there was kind of that trend within comics where everything was really, really dark and gritty. And, you know, all the superheroes were sad and 
their loved ones were dying and just that kind of mm. Jeff Johnsian, I don't know, taking these innocent characters and kind of making them very dark and I don't know, having real adult problems. So, I mean, looking back now, it's not super great. A lot of it, but <laughs> Peter Parker's Spider-Man is very much in that vein. And as like a 12 year old kid that kind of, who was really into like, you know, David Fincher movies and Christopher Nolan, it kind of really blew my mind. Um, I think the story is all about like the Greek goblins back after being dead for a while in the nineties there. Um, and it's just kind of him doing, um, uh, Oh, no, the name's escaping me. What's the super famous Daredevil story that everybody loves with Kingpin? Born Again. It's kind oh of him. Gosh. Yeah, it's kind of... Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of Green Goblin. <laughs> it was up enough on the show. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's Green Goblin doing a Born Again to Spider-Man, just like absolutely messing around right. with his life, making everything miserable. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, you know, maybe not the greatest comic in the world, but I just, I was leafing through it this morning and the nostalgia nice. factor is off the charts and it's oh coming back. Yeah. Yeah. It's got great Humberto Ramos art, which is Spider-Man staple. And I don't know. I, I still feel like this is his best nice. work he's ever done in Spider-Man. Cool. Yeah. And so how, how old were you when you, when you read that? Sorry. Uh, but, 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 so 2002, I was probably 12 or 13 cool yeah. and so from from there obviously you got into comics but did you go straight into trying to you know write your own stories or um no 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 not really this is, it was just like a passion at that point something i was really into in my my younger days mm. i was pursuing an acting career like that was my main focus my main life goal cool. becoming an mm-hmm. actor so yeah i was very much wrapped up to that and i probably had dreams of one day becoming like you know acting in a Spider-Man movie or a superhero movie or something like that. So yeah, sure. That, those were what my daydreams were composed of. <laughs> nice man. Nice. Yeah. And so um, what actually um, spurred you on to, to get into writing comics yourself? Hmm. Um, I guess it was pretty gradual from there. Like, yeah, like acting thing. I did that for a while. Then I kind of mm-hmm. transitioned to like, ooh, I want to be a director. And so um, just kind of, you know, getting into directing and making your own movies out of necessity. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to write them because there's nobody yeah. to write. Um, nobody's exactly. when you're six. Yeah. When you're 16 year old, there's nobody going to be writing scripts for you. You got to do it yourself. So yeah, I kind of <laughs> got into yeah. writing from there and, you know, Acting, directing, passions kind of faded, but the writing, which I never really had any interest in doing when I was like when I was a kid, um, that kind of stuck for whatever reason. So um, uh, yeah, just kind of transitioned into comics, kind of naturally. Um, um, yeah, just an art form that I really, that I really loved, um, and it's I don't know, it's. Um, a little less frustrating, I guess, than um, than writing for film. You have definitely have a lot mm. more control over your vision when you're writing comics. Yeah. Uh, then, for sure, yeah. So that, that that probably contributed to why I stuck there. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, back back to our um, ape master. Mm-hmm. Um, By the way, I just I, I, pr- I imagine myself in this situation where I'm like. 
like I have that kind of symbol thing. I got like a little vest and that little hat and that's kind of what, what they have me doing. I'm just kind of like the monkey court jester. Yes. Yeah, no, I can see it now myself. That's brilliant. I love it. Um, and uh, talking about amusing things, uh, what, what was, what's the funniest comic that you've read? Uh, funniest comic. Um, bu- bu- bum. This was hard. This is super hard to figure out. Uh, there's there's a bunch. I, I, I told you, like, I had an original one, which is, which is a mm. Spider-Man comic by Joe Kelly. And that always stuck me as with me as, like, my platonic ideal of what Spider-Man is. And then, like, I had all these comics, so I dug them out, and I started reading through it. And I was like, oh, I don't know. There's kind of, like, a lot of mean-spirited jokes in this one. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe not. But um, probably Axe Cop is the hardest I've ever laughed while reading the comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you familiar with it? Like, have you read it before? I haven't read it. I'm I'm familiar with it. Yeah. It has appeared on the show a couple of times, and again, oh, yeah? it's one of those ones that I need to uh, add to my reading pile, really. But uh, for, for for those that don't know, um, give a bit of background on Axe Cop. Sure. So, yeah, it's it's brilliant. It's um, I forget the guy's name, Ethan Nicoli. That might be the kid's name. It's, yeah, it, it's, uh, Malachi. Malachi. Yeah. Right. Right. So it's an older brother who is in his mid twenties and he, for whatever reason, like his father remarried, he has a very young brother who's five years old. So they kind of collaborated on this comic as I guess a way of kind of bonding together, brother to brother. Mm. So, uh, uh, the child, the five-year-old is the writer of the comic and older guy, um, draws it. And I guess kind of, uh, takes the raw ideas from the kid and kind of without interfering too much with the pure imagination kind of condenses into something that's somewhat coherent, but yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just the pure, I don't know, imagination of a child onto the page. And it just, it's has this David Lynch kind of quality of just stream of consciousness, whatever is on this kid just gets immediately transferred over the page. So it's all about ax cop, which is, a cop who's basically, I don't know, a mix between Superman, James Bond, and any other kind of superhero man being whose main weapon is an axe. And he, you know, he fights robots, he fights dinosaurs. He has his trusty sidekick flute cop who's constantly transforming into these other beings and, and whatnot. And, and yeah, it, it, the, it, it kind of took off from there as a webcomic. It, it got published as, you know, comics with Dark Horse. It got made into a cartoon TV show, but it all started with a webcomic. So if you haven't heard of it and you want to check it out, uh, it's, well, that webcomic's still around. It's free. So just type in Axe Copic into Google and, um, yeah, enjoy. It's amazing. It's so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I just love that whole um thing where you know obviously a, a, an older brother is taking his younger brothers much younger brothers ideas uh, <laughs> i just would love to find out you know what was that initial conversation yeah. like right let's make a story and what should the story be about and like the five-year-old would just be like axe cop <laughs> that is an awesome idea sweet exactly, yeah. <laughs> i can draw that um it's so cool and uh yeah it's, it's even better because i i um I hadn't looked into Axe Cop in ages, but when you mentioned it, I looked it up and I, did, I, um, I didn't realise that it had become a, 
uh, a TV show, um, mm-hmm. uh, an animated series. And um, yeah, I, I saw that Nick Offerman does the does the voice. Yeah, he does. Um, yeah. From Parks and Rec. That just feels like it's absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. Like his, his baritone <laughs> is, yeah. uh, is absolutely ideal. Yeah. I haven't watched the, I haven't watched the show to be honest. I've seen clips of it. Um, no, not either, right? Yeah. yeah it, it, from what I've seen, it's okay, but I don't think it really captures the, the charm that the webcomic ah. was. So if you want it in its pure version, its best version, yeah, definitely check 100%. out the webcomic. Too right, too right. Um, that's that's absolutely awesome. Um, now, um, moving on to our next question and shifting gears quite a bit. What's the saddest comic that you've read? Huh, um, I'd have to say Secret Wars number one, not the original one, the Jonathan Hickman version. Um, mm-hmm. I guess some backstory about this. Like, I remember when I read this. I kind of was having like an awful day. Um, um, I was, I, I, back in the day I worked a night shift. So I came back from a night shift and uh, just like everything was going wrong from there. I remember um, like I lost my cat and then luckily I found him and then I tried to get some sleep. And then, you know, I put my dog out. He pooped in the backyard. My neighbor's kid stepped on the poop and the person like the mother came over to me and like gave me, a lot of, yeah, a lot of guff and, um, yeah, to to go. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, just couldn't get it to sleep. Plus I was doing like a play during this time. So I had to go off and perform later in the night. So, um, yeah, the mixture of like all these things happening, not getting any sleep, the stress of having to go off and do a play, um, later in the night, I, I sat down and read this issue of secret wars. And there's a moment where, if you're familiar with, with the concept, it's basically, you know, the multiverse kind of ending and being shattered and kind of reshaped into this one Game of Thrones crazy, crazy Marvel universe. So there's, there's a moment where I think Reed Richards and some other heroes kind of escape in this multiverse rocket ship or something. And I can't remember who, but it's definitely like Sue and I think maybe his kids and some other characters like get knocked off the rocket ship and, and just basically fall into this cauldron of chaos and are eviscerated and, um, I don't know, wiped from existence. And there's, there's like a line of dialogue where Reed just says like, no, like really small text. And when I read that, I was just like, Oh my God, I just started (laughs) weeping and getting so teary and, teary and weepy and uh yeah i don't know it was sad but i think my my stress my emotional fragility at that moment really tipped me off yes so yeah that's probably the the, of course yeah yeah i bet every time that you look at it now like all of those memories come back yeah i was trying to look for it this morning but it's it's buried away in in piles and piles of (laughs) in a long box somewhere somewhere Yeah. yeah I was trying. Yeah, I wanted to oh, see no. if it could hit me the same way. Like, I don't know. Am I still going to get all yeah. teary-eyed and weepy? Um, I'll try and find it later. <laughs> I'll let you know. Yeah, do let me know. Yeah, I'll post um, it on Twitter. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's amazing how things like that can really kind of set you off, mm-hmm. can't they? Um, 
Yeah, man, it's uh, it's mad, and you know, I mean, bring bring back happy memories as well. Just when you kind of sit, you're emptying boxes and you get something out, you're like, oh, I remember this. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah I, no, I, I think cool. that's kind of the theme of like my list that I have here. It's very right. Um, you know, comics that mean a lot to me, not just the text themselves, but like the memories behind them. That's what mm. that's what really sticks out to me. Very cool. Which might be a good Very segue, cool. in, I believe, into the next one. I think scariest thing. Yes, am I right? Correct. Okay. So yeah, oh, okay. yeah. That's so nice. what's the scariest comic that you've read? Okay, again, um, kind of like a backstory here. Um, uh, like I mentioned before, when I was you know five to like eight, I was collecting comics, but not really reading them. I was just leafing through them and just looking at the super cool pictures, which, you know, of course, during the 90s, we all know that's basically why anybody bought the comics anyways. It wasn't for the stories, it was for the cool images. So that's what I was doing. And um, yeah, during this time, my absolute favorite superhero uh, was Spawn, which um, I don't know what my mom was thinking, like definitely not age appropriate for for um, whatever age I was, six, six and eight or something. But yeah, super into Spawn. Um, and I remember one issue, um, I, I, there, there's asterisks beside beside it because I actually sold all my Spawn comics. Um, <sighs> I did, you know, to fund... Yikes. Yeah, to, um, to fund uh, ID10T error issue two. A big bunch of like wow. the original pages are funded by yeah. my old Spawn comics. Um, yeah, so that's another cool little tidbit. So I think it was Spawn that's 68, right. but I can't be sure. But anyways, um, I remember leafing through it when I was a kid. Um, not really into it because the entire issue, like Spawn wasn't in it. So I was like, this this sucks. It's just a bunch of like that 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 villain called the freak i think he's just like standing around talking to all these his goons or whatever um yeah so disappointed and then i finally get to the last page and it's just this page spread of spawn's corpse and i mean it's his mutilated corpse kind of like tied up to a wall by chains there's gunshots all over his chest stab marks and he's been decapitated <laughs> so like for an eight-year-old <laughs> So for an eight-year-old kid that, you know, doesn't read the stories and doesn't really know the context to see his favorite superhero just absolutely mutilated in this way, it, it uh, yeah, it, uh, it freaked me out. So, uh, yeah, I just remember, like, going to my mom and being like, oh, my God, Mom, it's Spawn, it's Spawn. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think, like, uh, after that, I, I don't think I really touched another comic book for a couple of years until until we fast forward to, uh, you know, May 2002 when Spider-Man comes out and I go to the Silver Snail and pick up Amazing Spider-Man, or not Amazing, Peter Parker Spider-Man 45. So, yeah, there's there's a few gaps in there. Spawn turned me off comics. Well, yeah, I mean, when you're eight and you see something like that, that's... That's hardcore. Yeah. Um, so uh, great that you got back into it, though. Yeah. Uh, so it's all water under the bridge. But uh, exactly. Yeah. I, I suspect that that kind of left an emotional scar somewhere. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I don't know. Greg Capullo, it kind of turned me off comics, <laughs> but you know, today he's like one of my favorite artists in the biz. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Uh, now, uh, moving on to one of my favorite questions, and that is, what is your favorite cover? Um, yeah, 
also a hard one to nail down. Um, mm-hmm. oh, Cause there's so many and there's so many that I just kind of, that are just like so generic and they don't really affect you. But I think the one that I love the most, I'm just going to grab it here and look at it is uh, alias number 28. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I kind of really appreciated this cover after seeing the Jessica Jones series and how they kind of represented Kilgrave when he's not around. So the first few episodes, I don't think he shows up to like episode three or four, but he's, he's this kind of omnipresent being throughout those first few episodes. And, you know, Mm -hmm. that's always represented where you kind of hear his voiceover, but you know, when Jessica's kind of triggered by something that, 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 that's happening, the, the lighting kind of goes purple which is uh, so awesome and I love. And so this, this cover of Alias is very much like that. It's, it's Jessica standing out on the street. Sorry, I'm a little gunky. I'm getting over cold. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. There we go. Okay. So it's Jessica standing out in the street and there's this building behind her and, and all the windows are kind of blacked out except for, this one kind of lone window that's, you know, the second down, it's just lighted purple. And yeah, I just, I love that. It's, it's kind of just that simple image that just that color purple, it kind of represents all that, that trauma and just that this evil presence in her life. That's kind of always there and overbearing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, that, that, I don't know. I just, yeah. It's a really well thought out cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, like that creeping yeah. presence that where you're mm-hmm. not showing the villain outright, but it's kind of like this omnipresent, I don't know, exactly. devil in the background. So, uh, exactly. yeah. And it is all about the anticipation with villains and things like that. You exactly. Kind of keep it mysterious and things like that. You can't just like reveal things straight away the whole point is to build up tension right so totally like yeah, that's what yeah. everybody like people who love horror that's what we love best about horror right is not seeing the actual monster the the full mm-hmm. thing it's it's not seeing the monster it's sensing its presence kind of in the background that's the really creepy thing and and uh that's the best part about Kilgrave, both in the comics and uh and in the tv show it's not when he's not when he's on screen or on the page it's when he's kind of like his presence is kind of felt, you know, and by that, just by that color purple. I love that. It's so cool. Totally, man. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, now, uh, moving on to uh, another of my favorite questions, and that mm-hmm. is, what's the most meaningful comic to you? Oh, most meaningful. Uh, I forgot what I wrote down. Let me check. Oh, most meaningful. Uh, okay, so, um, yeah, I talked about, you know, getting kind of back into comics with um Peter Parkerman, Peter Peter Parkerman, Peter Parker. <laughs> That's a new character. <laughs> yeah, trademark, trademark, Matt Breath. Um, Own it. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of getting back into it with that that issue and being exposed to the kind of I don't know dark gritty ness of the superhero genre. Um, but I think yeah, my that introduced all that to me. I think what really cemented my love of the genre um, was Arkham Asylum by Grant Morrison. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Again, like that just kind of blew my mind. 
uh, when I read it. The amazing story, such a simple concept. Uh, and, and of course, you know, Dave, Dave, I'm just, again, going down, grabbing it. Uh, yeah, I mean, Dave McKean's art is, I don't know, unparalleled. It's just, uh, I don't know what to say about sure. it. It's, it's just, it, it speaks for itself. It, it blew my mind. And mm-hmm. yeah, as a, as a young writer, Absolutely I, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely um, tried to make my own Ark of Asylums, my own derivative Ark of Asylums and whatever movies I was writing. So yeah, uh, definitely sure. in my younger years, not so much now. Um, but definitely in my younger years, it was a huge influence on me. Nice man. Yeah, and I, it's just nice. a comic that I I always kind of revisit. Like every every once in a while, I look over and I see on my and on my shelf, and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that out and browse through it, and yeah. So yeah, it's one of the few comics it, yeah. I do that with. Yeah. 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 Oh no, it's nice to have that that kind of cornerstone to to kind of your yeah, influence mm-hmm. and um yeah it's definitely yeah, no, just, just, just to enjoy it <laughs> yeah it, it was definitely like a gateway to other other things that i came to learn and enjoy like a, a, without reading arkham asylum you know i probably wouldn't have gotten to the dark knight like it led me to dark knight it led me to um born again it led me a year one all the sandman stuff all that vertigo stuff that we all love so yeah, it, it, it was definitely a gateway into this bigger world of comics, which is kind of why it holds a special place in my heart. Super cool, man. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then um, moving away from the, the, the classics, um, what's the most underrated comic that you've read? Sure. So um, I would say Action Comics 900 with again i'm putting an asterisk on it the the main story all that backup stuff i know was at the time was super controversial because that's the issue where superman gives up his american citizenship which made headlines and national news and everybody was so angry about it but uh yeah (laughs) um that story like whatever it's not that great but the main story the this is the the final chapter in the um, Lex Luthor storyline that was kind of going through uh, action comics at the time, uh, written by Paul Cornell, uh, art by Pete Woods. And um, yeah, it was about a 12 issue series where like it happened right after, uh, but, but, Oh, I'm so bad with names. The Jeff Johns event with green lantern where everybody comes back to life. Oh, what's it called? It's going to Bla- come back. Black darkest night, right? Black night. Yeah, Darkest Night, Blackest Night. Mm. Anyways, we we that one. This, this is I'm doing the thing that I hate when I hear other podcasts where I'm not remembering the thing, and <laughs> there's all your listeners right now are been like, it's yeah, I, I shout it, I yeah. shouting, yeah, I'm sorry, whilst they're on the tube or something. <laughs> okay, but you, you you guys know what I'm talking about. Anyways, it, it's a continuation of that, and yeah. it's Lex Luthor kind of trying to find this black green energy to kind of unlock this ultimate power and each issue is a standalone thing where he's kind of interacting with um all these kind of the major villains of the dc universe so there's you know Rachel ghoul he meets a joker randall savage vandal savage um uh, mr mind anyways so 900 is where it all culminates and he's he's kind of gotten all the pieces and he's finally attained this godlike power and um, <clears throat> he's able to, with his godlike power, to basically eliminate 
all negative emotions from the universe. So once he gets it, um, across the universe, like everybody experiences absolute bliss and, you know, he's finally achieved what he's always said he was going to do, which is, you know, make the world a better place, eliminate all the world's problems. Um, he's a savior of humanity. So he's finally done it with this, with achieving this godlike power of eliminating all negative energy. But the catch is, um, with this godlike power, he cannot use it toward anything negative. So he finds out that he can't use his powers to kill Superman, which is what he really wants. So Hmm. of course, when he's confronted with Superman, he's, he realizes that and he's so just disgusted and outraged that immediately he starts wailing on Superman. And with every punch, he becomes weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker. And he, he loses his godlike energy just because he couldn't let go of that hatred. And in that instance, you know, everybody across the universe, that, that bliss that they were all feeling, it immediately fades away and Lex is left powerless and he just kind of like evaporates into nothing. And um, yeah, to, to this day, it's the best Lex Luthor story I've ever read. And, and um, I'm so surprised that it's not a comic that people talk more about it's i don't know it, it's a masterpiece it's it's so good it's the best take on this character I, i've ever read and uh even as a superman comic um um yeah I'm, I'm just like why why don't people talk about this more um which i, I think i have a theory which is it it kind of the story doesn't really have a proper conclusion it at the time it kind of ties into this other event they were doing which is like the some doomsday event where doomsday's back like there's a bunch of doomsdays now so that that uh lex luther story just kind of abruptly ends and it immediately goes into this doomsday story which is this whole other whole other story that's totally different and you know all the themes are different so i think that maybe has something to do with it didn't really get that proper conclusion that it deserved but um yeah it's it's such a good story check it out if you haven't read it i will do definitely because yeah that's one i haven't read either and um i think the whole story goes like um action comics 890 to 900 uh, right. Yeah, and this is like a minute before New Fifty Two, so they did this Doomsday story, and then right after that, everything got rebooted. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's the last hurrah. Last hurrah. Yeah. <laughs> nice, excellent. Uh, now, coming on to our penultimate question: uh, right. What comic would you recommend to a friend who's never read comics? Um. Ba-bum. Yeah. So my other kind of passion, like during this episode, I mostly talked about superhero stuff but i also really uh, i love my indie stuff i love my self-published comics you know small press independent publishers um stuff that's not genre so there is this uh, reaching for it there's this book called young francis by hartley lynn and um yeah, it's not a genre thing at all. It's just about these two young women living in Toronto. Um, One woman, they're they're both roommates, so one is kind of like this kind of buttoned-down professional. She's, you know, working towards becoming a a lawyer in this this firm, and the other roommate is um, 
very much aloof, free spirit kind of person. And she's a young actress who's kind of um, up and coming and, you know, doing a lot of uh, weird gigs, but, you know, on her way to, to fame, like to actually getting a, a decent career in acting. And, um, you know, it's it's what I kind of love about um, these uh, indie comics. Like, it's really not plot-driven at all. It's more character-driven, kind of, um, you know, mm-hmm. scene-by-scenes, uh, just like, I don't know, yeah, good, good stories, just slice-of-life people trying to get by in their life. And, uh, yeah, um, again... Uh, by Hartley Lynn and his cartooning is amazing. Like he uses, uses like such kind of, ha, kind of has like a Chris Somney feel, Adrian Tomain, uh, a little bit of like Chester Brown, if you're familiar with him more, more Chester Brown, the work that he did in Louis Riel, uh, it's black and white. Uh, and it's just absolutely gorgeous. So, um, if you're interested in it, uh, unfortunately, it's published by Ad House Books, which I think a couple of months ago they they announced that they are uh, calling it quits. So it, it's likely out of print right now. Um, but you know, if you kind of search through your indie indie bookstores, used bookstores, uh, you might be able to track down a copy. And and yeah, it's such it's such an amazing book. Uh, I'm sure it'll be picked up by another publisher like. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't be surprised if like drawn in quarterly or fan fantagraphics in the next couple of years picks it up and decides to do a second mm-hmm. printing of it. Um, so yeah, that, that's what I'd recommend to somebody that's not really familiar with comics. I, I'm going to assume most of my friends that don't read comics aren't into superhero stuff. And yeah, I just want to mm-hmm. introduce them like, Hey, it's not just superhero stuff. It's just, it's, it's about life too, man. Comics are just about life. Uh, exactly exactly and it is is funny when you do introduce people that don't usually read comics to stuff like that oh right well i didn't realize they could be like that yeah (laughs) it could just be stories about people yeah which is this is exactly whoa (laughs) mind-blowing yeah yeah i guess another kind of it's cool because like one of the characters is an young actress in toronto and you know i very much lived that life in my early twenties. So I can kind of really relate to her, like going to auditions, having to mm-hmm. having to act in these plays that you think are not great and nobody shows up to, but you still do it because you want to put something on your resume or make connections or whatever exactly. like that. And you're just mm-hmm. yeah, busting your chops to try and get like a good gig. So uh, yeah, check it out. It's good. Fair play. Mm-hmm. Fair play. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, on to our final question, and that is if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse, okay. which would it be? Yeah. Um, so my strategy here is um, I'm not going to take in – okay, uh, I shouldn't say that. I'm, a, a comic that I, like, absolutely love and like that, um, I want to take a comic into the apocalypse that, you know, kind of confounds me, that – I don't really understand. So every time I read the comic, I'll kind of maybe uncover something new about it. So, so yeah, every time I read it, it's going to be like a new experience for me because I'll maybe discover something new or or like, Oh, I hadn't noticed that before. Or maybe I'll be in a different frame of mind and I'll be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this is the real meaning behind this comic. So, uh, yeah, 
that's all to say is I'm taking Hellboy in Hell number 10 uh, into the apocalypse with me, which I guess is fitting uh, a book about yeah. hell, <laughs> end of the world. Um, so yeah, this is, this is, was marketed at the time as like the end of Hellboy. This is Mike Mignola's last issue of Hellboy, the, the end of his story, which I guess wasn't true because he kind of showed up later. Like he came back to life or something like that. But um, yeah, this is the, the end of the Hellboy story. And when I read it, um, I had no idea what the heck was going on or what it meant. And I was looking through it this morning being like, you know, it's been, it's been about five years since I read it. You know, I, I've aged lived life, gotten smarter. So maybe I'll, I'll understand what it is. And, and no, I still don't really understand what happened. So, but it, it looks, <laughs> it looks absolutely gorgeous. It's of course, Mike Mignola art, which I alluded to earlier in the show. I love. So um, yeah, uh, I, I feel like it's something I'm going to read over and over again. I'm slowly going to piece together what it means or every time I read it, it's going to have a new meaning for me. So it's, it's a comic that's never going to get old. I, I can read it in to my final days when, when, you know, the, I, I've outgrown the Simeon, oh, my Simeon overlords um, amusement and I'm no longer <laughs> the court jester and they, they do away with me. <laughs> Finally. <Yeah. laughs> um, well, you never know. Um, there, could, there could be um, a, a human uprising on the ape uprising. Um, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> you never know. I don't think I stand a chance in that case anyway. They're, they're going to know I was like, I was, I was in it with the apes. I was just submitting to them. And yeah, like, I'm going to get, get rid of this guy deciding with the enemy. Fair. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Ah, it's all good. It's all yeah. good. Um, but, um, along with your, uh, copy of Hellboy, what weapon tool or useful item would you like to take with you as well? Um, uh, I think we talked about it. My, my symbol, my little, my symbol, it's, it's going to get me through that. I'm going to clap it for, for the ape overlords and it's going to, they'll find it amusing and, uh, they'll, mm -hmm. they'll let me live. Yeah. So, uh, kind of a passive weapon, I guess. I'm, I'm yeah, not, yeah, but it's so. a useful item, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. No, no, yeah, not yeah. at all. We can just, yeah. it's I'm obviously not... that useful item. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not crossing them. I'll just I'll submit and entertain no, them. No, no. As long. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, man. You know, yeah, don't yeah, worry about yeah. it. Um, well, Matt McGrath. Rough. Oh, they are, man. They are, man. Everybody's got to do it and they take their own path. Exactly. <laughs> well, Matt McGrath, thank you so much for sharing your comics with the apocalypse. It's been a real pleasure. My pleasure as well. Thanks so much for having me on. Hey, no worries, man. And for the listeners, one more time, where can they find you online and um, where can they find your Kickstarter? Yeah, so online, like I said, Stupid Matt. That's stupid with two O's. Um, and the Kickstarter, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, um, it's a good chance I'll probably be talking about that. It's probably going to be the only thing I'll be tweeting about for the next month. So sorry, but <laughs> I promise after that I'll talk about it other things. Comments, yeah, I like. Uh, if you can't find it, you can also find it if you don't want to follow me, which fine, I guess, whatever. 
Um, you can go to Kickstarter <laughs> and just search, uh, go, you know, go to the comic section, go to the search bar, type in ID, uh, dash 10 T space error, E R R O R. Uh, and you will find it there. It, it's, it'll be issues one and two. Um, and yeah, so I don't know, just to kind of talk about it a little bit, um, it's for issue one, a uh, little background, um, uh, I kickstarted that, but I never did a print. It was a digital only book. Um, so this time around, I really, really wanted to print it. So this next card Kickstarter will be, uh, funding the printing of issue one, and it'll be funding the production and printing of issue two. So if you want, you can buy, um, issue one and two at the same time. Um, yeah, and get, get the full story. Nice, man. Perfect. And of course, all of those links are in the show notes, folks. So go check out uh, Matt on Twitter and Kickstarter. Um, and uh, if it's your bag, make sure that you back it. Um, so, uh, Matt, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> please, please um, like make it, sure please. that you go check it out. <laughs> yeah, pretty please. Um, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It, it has been a lot of fun. And uh, I, I wish you all the best. Uh, oh. with, it, with the Kickstarter campaign. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. No worries, man. Um, and uh, yeah, no, um, may may our paths cross one day at a con. Um, but other than that, I'm sure I'll see you on Twitter. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. I'll be around. <laughs> you bet. Excellent. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. You take care, man. Awesome. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see you on, uh, on Twitter. On the interwebs. I'll see you there. <laughs> you bet. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks again to Matt for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Matt's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which... If you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.